Hi, everyone. This is Amanda and Jesse. Um, we record our episodes a couple of weeks in advance, but we wanted to let everyone know um, the tragedy that happened in Uvalde last week. Yeah. Um, we have thought of nothing else but those innocent babies and their families, and our heart is breaking and we honestly don't know what to say or do and we are not a political podcast but this definitely is a political issue and everyone needs to get out there and do what is right because this is a tragedy that we don't want to see happen again in our state in our country to other people's families while it didn't affect us personally it has affected us emotionally and we can't let this to continue to happen and we just want everyone to know that our hearts are breaking for those families and we don't want to see a tragedy like this ever happen again yeah exactly it's been um really hard for us to even just talk about it so we hope that our episodes at least give everyone a moment to be outside of this tragedy and hopefully find some levity and just being alive and we just want everyone to know that we love you really appreciate the support from um everyone outside of the state of texas and you know we ourselves are also doing what we can to try to help as many people around us as we can even if it is just being there for them emotionally so thank you everyone who has reached out to us as well yes we we have had messages from our friends in the podcast community outside of the state and the country, we do genuinely appreciate it. Um, we love all you guys. Um, everyone, just tell your family, your friends every day that you love them yeah. and hug them because you just never know what's going to happen when you walk out your front door every day. Yeah. And... Thank you again so much for, you know, giving us some space and some time to just process this horrendous tragedy. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the latest episode of the See You Next Tuesday podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. Hi. And we are coming at you live, obviously. Well, not live. Well, no. But Stop in your ear lying holes. to the people. We're, we're live to ourselves. Because we got a whole bunch of new listeners this week. We did. We got a new patron. We got a new patron and we got like new listeners. Have you checked out our analytics? Because um, we got a whole bunch of new listeners in New York. Uh, see, I haven't. I haven't checked out analytics in a while, and it's partially because I'm like, you know, you're scared. Know. You're scared. I'm that scared. Yeah. Nobody's listening, and you're gonna be sad. I check them out multiple times a day. Do you really? I do, and then I don't tell you about it because I don't want you to like expect it all the time. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, so 
I I stopped looking at the analytics purely because of laziness, to be honest. Oh, oh I have it. <laughs> I have it on my like main phone screen. Like oh. I can hit it. Oh, I see. And oh, there you go. Okay, speaking of, we've <laughs> had five unique listeners today with seventeen downloads. Oh wow, nice. Okay, so for those of y'all out there who's like completely officially turned off, hi, we're the See You Next Tuesday podcast. I'm hi, Jessie. I promise we're going to talk about murder. You're going to love it. <laughs> and that's Amanda. And thank you so much, all our new listeners in New York. Yeah, we have all these new listeners. We want to say thank y'all. Um, heads up, we're a C- uh, true crime podcast. We do comedy with it because that's the only way we've been able to deal with the shitty ass shit that life throws at you and us so because of that our love of true crime and you know all that noise we decided and i'm generally just a big fucking smart ass yeah why not you know why not take that smart ass to the road and to the people and i just can't keep it out of everything that i do exactly um so we do this podcast we also have a a patron patron patreon (laughs) we do have one patron we did have a margarita well i had a margarita you met martini mexican martini yeah it was great I'm telling you, if you come to Texas, get a Mexican martini. It's like two drinks in one. Plus, you get a little... It's basically like a margarita with olives. Yes, and it's amazing. And you let, leave the olives in the glass until you've drunk it all, and then you have drunk olives. Oh, it's so good. So, on that note, basically, what we want to tell you is we also have special series on our patron. Patreon. I keep saying it. Patreon. Okay, you I say will it. take over. Please. We have special series on our Patreon. First, we did the um, terrible cult family, the Duggars. And as we all know, um, the eldest son, Joshua, is about to be sentenced for his um, child pornography case here in a couple of weeks. Ew. If you want to hear all about it. You can go listen on the Patreon. But then we started something new, a little more lighthearted, called Video Killers. And it's about uh, movies and the real crime stories that inspired the movies. And we throw in some cursed movies and we'll see what else we throw in there along the way. Yeah, just basically movies with like a, either a weird crime or backstory that we just want to know more about. Um, so yeah, check us out. We we really appreciate all three of y'all who are already doing this. Um, and everybody who, you know, is even like just checking it out. The whole purpose of it is just to provide other content to like lighten your day or just something else for y'all to uh, pass the time with as you're sitting there at your office job hating it. So we yeah, just help. we feel that pain. Yes, <laughs> we do in our own unique ways. On that note, did you have anything for us this week? Um... Let's see. I have life advice. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go. If you go to a Dutch Brothers and the drive-thru is long and you think, oh my God, I don't have time for this. Don't just leave. Don't leave. Go to the walk-up window. It'll be much faster. You'll get your Dutch Brothers and you'll be on your way. That's awesome. Yeah, I did that today. She told me this ages ago, and my brain forgot it. She and doesn't listen to me. I don't listen, no. And then uh, I did it, and I was like, oh, my God, it was so much faster. She's like, yeah, I told you that, like, months ago to do that. So. Like, every time she goes. You're welcome. But, um, yeah, no, completely. I can attest to it. They, and as always, they have the most incredible staff. 
very kind, sweet, wonderful people. I I want to I want to kind of adopt all the of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I want to adopt them all. They're all my children. Yes. Even though I know they probably hate being nice to everyone and they're not genuine, mm-hmm. but they make it seem genuine. I know. It's so wonderful. It's beautiful. It's a breath of fresh air in today's world of I hate everyone. Yeah, that and just... So speaking of breath of fresh air, um, so I don't know if you've had a chance to, because we've had this debate many times about how we absolutely need to get you an HBO subscription, HBO Max subscription. (laughs) It needs to happen because our flag means death. And if you haven't watched it already, if you like pirates, like I like pirates, it's hilarious. It's so funny. It's kind. It's a wonderful show. And I love it. I haven't finished it yet, but it's so hilarious. You have got to watch it. It's such a breath of fresh air. I need everyone to watch that Mormon show on Hulu. <gasps> okay, are you all caught up? Because I'm all caught up. Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh, there might have been a new episode on Thursday. I haven't there was. watched. And holy shit, girl. Under the Banner of Heaven is an incredible show on Hulu. Andrew Garfield incredible actor but my god it's just it's fucking perfection i so i'm also binge watching superstore on hulu yes but i also want to watch candy on hulu yeah okay so i'm interested by that one too with jessica and jt justin's in it yes they're in it as a couple i think so Hold okay, on. Get, go to the Google. Go I'm to IMDb. Hidden. Actually, wait. Go to IMDb. Pass the Google to the, the Google for us movie fans. <laughs> Which is you, not me. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because you want to talk about an app I have saved in my uh, phone that I reference on the daily at a min- minimum. My computer was listening to us because the first thing on IMDb was... Under the banner of heaven. Mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah, no, Jessica Beale is Candy and and the the other show she was in um with um oh my god, I'm losing it. It's a true crime show. She was in the first season, but she also produced the second two. But um it was oh good god. It, it's going to drive me crazy now not thinking being able to think about it, but yeah, no, it looks fascinating because it's based on a true story, right? Now I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, who's Candy? Because I'm like thinking back through my true crime head going, okay, who was this person again? Have I, have I heard of her? Have I done a story about her? Um, but it looks fascinating. So I'm, I'm excited to watch more about it. Maybe I'll watch it after we get done with this. And I have to go to Five Below. So after that too. And I spend $105. Is that the minimum amount? It's like Target. You can't leave past <laughs> without spending at least $200. Fuck. Yes. Justin Timberlake. Oh, he is in it. Uh-huh. That's crazy. It says uncredited. Ah. Okay. Got it. Yeah, no, it looks really good. So we'll let y'all know. Just so you know, Under the Banner of Heaven is highly recommended by us. We absolutely adore it. It's we a give great it great show. Two cunties. We do give it two cunties. Oh, now I'm upset we haven't done that with the video killer episodes. Fuck. Damn it. Well, Mm. heads up. You know what? No, no, no. We call our listeners cunties. We give it 
two butcher knives. <gasps> oh, I like that. Hopefully that isn't taken by some other horror podcast. So, so sorry for co-opting. Mm-hmm. We literally don't know everything in the universe. So No, I don't know everything in the universe. <laughs> so it's because... Two knives. Two knives. Two knives up. Out of one to five knives, we give it five knives. Because oh, there you go. our hashtag, Murder is Never the Answer, has a knife. This is true. And so do our stickers, which link in the bio. Check mm-hmm. it out everywhere. We have stickers. We love our stickers. Yeah. And everyone I've ever had see them, they love them. Yeah, they're pretty badass. Plus, they're glittery. Who doesn't like glitter? Oh, it's my favorite color. I know. So um, I just want to shout out some people we used to talk about in the past. Uh, the zombie Dan, the underscore zombie underscore Dan on TikTok, who is a saint he is a hairdresser um, based out of somewhere here in the South who is helping shed light on LBGTQIA plus youth who, or just people who need families and or places to stay if their families um, abandon them or disown them. So um, heads up, definitely check them out. We absolutely adore what he's doing for people and just helping them find their place in life and you just showed me something he recently posted about the most recent horrendousness that's going on in the Supreme Court, which we all know about. We don't even have to mention. Um, do you want to go more into that? Because I thought it was... I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the pilots who... Oh, I was wondering if I sent that to you. Because you did. I was about to talk about that. Yeah, please, please. Um, did I send it to you? I was just looking for it. Yeah. Um, is it on the Instagram? It is on our, our messaging, yes. Okay, so pilots, it's called elevatedaccess.org. It is a group of about 50 pilots who will fly um, people who need medical um, access to where they need to go free of charge. Yeah. Yep. I didn't know this existed. Me either. And it's incredible. Um, we'll try to provide a link on our, our website, on our blog, so y'all can check it out. And if that's you, absolutely. If you are one of those pilots, oh, oh my God, you are, I don't even have the words for you right now. Uh, we would shake your hands if you were here. No. <laughs> and hug you. I would hug you, and I'm not a fucking hugger. That's true. <laughs> I am not a hugger. Like, people go in for a hug, I'm like, oh, no. Physical touch. I like, don't touch me. I'm a Gen Z, Gen X. <laughs> don't touch me. Leave me in an empty home with peanut butter or jelly sandwiches. This is what I understand is love. That's my love language. It was Skedios. Thank oh, you. Oh, Skedios. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> with Frank's. <laughs> with the Vienna sausages. <laughs> I ate those containers of Vienna sausages I know. as a kid. I know. That's why. Skedios with Frank's are containers of Vienna sausages, <laughs> but don't hug me. <laughs> But seriously, what a phenomenal... What was the name of them again? Um, Let me pull it back up. Yeah, because I want it to be called Life Flight because that's really what it is. No, Elevated Access. Elevated Access. Dot org. I'm going to post it on our socials. I have been behind on doing Support Saturdays because my job has gotten a little out of control lately. Um, But I'm going to post them. Yeah. And on that note, we also want to say this. Take a fucking break. And I'm also speaking for myself because Amanda's also teaching me this. Take a fucking break. Are you talking to me directly? No, I'm talking to everybody, including myself. 
It's okay. It's okay. Like, you don't need to be, be on the socials all the time. It's okay to just chill out and just have a moment for yourself. It's okay to not respond to that text if fuck immediately. Or it's your okay. boss if fuck immediately. You know what? It's, okay. it's okay to hit the heart button and not have a reply. Yeah. And it's okay to only only follow and look at things that make are making you happy at the moment. You don't have to get emails from no. things that make you upset. No, you don't. You can hit the unsubscribe button, yeah. Jess. And the other, well, the other thing, huh. the other <laughs> thing is, is like the only problem, you know, you can't hit unsubscribe from work emails, unfortunately. I mean, you well, know. no, I mean in your personal life. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah. get those <laughs> emails in your personal inbox, or maybe. You have them in your work email, but they're personal. You can still hit unsubscribe. Yeah. All we're saying is, is curate your life. You know what I mean? Just kind of look at it and go, you know what? I could use more of this and less of this. And, and you can't control everything. So it's okay to go throw no. your hands up in the air and go, my desk is a war zone. I did all I can do today. It's five o'clock. I'm out. Yep. So who do you have for us today as far as a murderer? You know what? I think you're going to enjoy this. You're never going to see this coming from me. And I want to warn everyone, even though we have our standard warning before every show, there's shit potholes from the beginning to the end. I'm not going to warn you before they come up. If there's no way for me to avoid them with this story, if this, if you can't handle it, you need to bounce now. Right. Fair warning, so skip this episode, head to the next one, previous one, whichever, no worries. There's a lot of sexual violence, Mm. so if if, if you can't listen, I get it, it was hard for me to do, it's okay. Go join Patreon and listen to those. Right, there are plenty of other things that you can listen to, so. So... I'm now going to bring you this. April 5th, 1951 in Pittsburgh, California. Did you know there was a Pittsburgh, California? It doesn't surprise me considering there's a Paris, Texas at this point. (laughs) Just like, uh. Manuel and Patricia gave birth to a little bouncing baby boy. And they had no idea what he was going to grow up to be. Their precious baby was named Philip. Philip Craig Yardo. If you don't know who that is, you're going to figure it out real fucking quick. So Philip grew up in Brentwood, and he graduated from Liberty High School. After Philip graduated high school in 1969, he started having substance abuse issues and was arrested for possession that year. Jail was not a wake-up call for Philip like it is for some. And so Philip earned his title as man-cunt in 1972, when he was arrested for drugging and raping a 14-year-old girl. Mm. Philip did not see the inside of a jail cell for this horrific crime because the little girl refused to testify. Mm. So, Philip married one of his high school classmates, Christine Murphy, in 1973 because, you know, you married young back in the day. Christine claims Philip was abusive and alleges he tried to kidnap her when she tried to leave him And given his history, I don't think that she was lying. In 1976, his victim was a little bit older. He abducted a 25-year-old woman from South Lake Tahoe, California. 
took her to Reno, Nevada to a warehouse where he raped her for five and a half hours. Oh my God. A police officer noticed a car parked outside and a broken lock on the door. The officer did actual police work in 1976. Wow. That's... <laughs> Snaps, my friend. My Yay, God. Officer. <laughs> Jeez. And he knocked on the door. And Philip, being a fucking moron, answered the door. Thank God. Turns out sometimes being stupid works in the universe's favor. So, yay. And his victim, and yes, I'm choosing not to say her name, then came to the door and asked for help. Philip was immediately arrested. A court-ordered psychiatric evaluation was done, and Philip was diagnosed as a sexual deviant and chronic drug abuser. The psychiatrist recommended a neurological examination be done because his chronic drug use could be, and I'm quoting, responsible in part for his mixed or multiple sexual deviations. Um, no. What... Did they say what kind of drugs he was using? Uh, LSD. <laughs> Remember, it's the 70s. I mean, guys, no, LSD will not make you jump off a building or murder your family or do that's, any of the... Or that's, ha- not why rape he, people. that's not why he's raping people. No, <laughs> no. I'm not saying it can't help you kind of like get in a headspace so that's what the psychologist said right yeah or the psychiatrist sure excuse me so philip was then checked out by a neurologist the neurologist said he had a normal neurological 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 yeah got you i got you it's okay you could say patreon and i'll say neurological examination jeez in court, Philip testified that he would masturbate in his car outside of elementary and high schools while watching the girls. Ugh. Well, sexual deviant, that they were spot on about that. That is correct. But have anything to do with drugs? No. I mean, elementary and high school. Like That's fucking it gross. Was, <sighs> children. Those are children. Mm-hmm. They're children. So this time, Philip was convicted on March 9th, 1977. And June 30th, 1977, he was sentenced to 50 years in the federal prison for kidnapping and another five years um, on state charges of federal sexual assault. Okay, but that's that's actually a really harsh crime for back then because this was also pre the time period where rape was, it was considered a misdemeanor. So that's a really good sentence. So everything seems to be going... Thumbs up at this point. I know. Oh, it seems shit. that way, right? Huh? Yeah. So he was serving his time at Leavenworth P- Penitentiary in Kansas. because that And that's like a big one, yeah, right? Yeah, Leavenworth's known. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what? We don't like to keep fucking pieces of shit in prison now, do we? So he only served 11 years before he was paroled in 1988. Mm. But while he was in Leavenworth, he met Nancy... Bocongra. Bocongra. Whatever. He met Nancy. So how does someone meet... How does one meet someone while on the Fed pen in the late 70s and early 80s? Yeah. Well, Nancy was there visiting her uncle. And I guess the visiting area was set up like a regular speed dating event. (laughs) 
Did you write that? I did. You want to see? <laughs> okay. So Nancy's like, mm, you're cute, but you're kind of like, I don't know, a little tall for me. So She was like, she told her uncle, she's like, Uncle Bob, who's that cute boy over there? Wow. Hey, you know what? Lid for every pot. Mm-hmm. So October 5th, 1981, Philip and Nancy were married at a very romantic wedding venue. The most romantic ever. Leavenworth Prison. Oh, was it in the chapel? I don't know. Because I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then on January 22nd, 1988, so seven years later, Philip was released from the federal prison system into the Nevada state system. Because remember, he had those state charges. Yeah. And then he ended up serving seven months of his five years to life sentence in Nevada. How the fuck? Before being transferred to the federal parole system in Contra Costa County, California. Oh, Contra Costa County. El famoso Countio. Just like Bell and fucking the one here in Houston, Harris. Damn. And, and that was on August 26, 1988. Mm. So I don't know why he's going on federal parole in California when he's was in prison in Nevada, and his crime happened in Nevada, but anyhow. Here we are, yeah. Here we are. I don't make the rules. I just report them. So Philip and Nancy moved in with Philip's elderly mother in Antochi, California. Antochi? A-N-T-I-O-C-H. Antioch. There you go. So Philip's mom was suffering from dementia, so I'm sure they were a great help to her during this time. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I'm sure that's why they moved in with her, was yeah. to help her because she had dementia. Of course. Mm-hmm. And since um, good old Phil was on federal parole, he was monitored and he wore a GPS ankle monitor and was often visited by his parole officers, local sheriff deputies, and federal agents, so... MBD. Yeah. He was... Normal life, you know, like... Hey, doing the thing, day to day, no big deal. He was on lockdown. He is not committing any more crimes. In no. Fact, he started a small printing business. Um, you know, he eventually became a religious fanatic. Okay. And started the God's Desire organization. He even created websites that he used to spread his divine messages. Okay. So in any other normal case where someone has been put in the prison system rehabilitated and taken out which is very rare in our country because our prison system isn't meant to rehab we can get into a whole thing doesn't matter point is we'd be actually cheering them on going hell yeah make a new life start a new life but again context we're talking about a c it's there the likelihood of him actually doing this is very slim and also the religious turn makes a lot of fucking sense you know, if I can't get him this way, I'm going to get him this way. So you think he started a cult? I mean... So you don't know who I'm talking about? No, that sounds like a fun cult to me. Well, <clears throat> June 10th, 1991 is the day he committed the crime that we all know him for. Okay, oh my God. This is the day he and his wife Nancy kidnapped 11-year-old J.C. Duggar from outside her home in South Lake Tahoe, California. Okay, I don't, I don't know who that is. You don't know J.C. Duggar? No. I feel stupid. 
Oh, I'm really excited yeah, now you because I thought something. you would know this case. Yeah, this is no. big. This is the one. This, this is, is a big case. I'm doing I'm doing a big case, not a little one. Okay, so wait. Okay, so explain to me how you know about this case. It was a big deal. This is a big deal. Okay. This was a big deal. Everyone tell her. Yell at her so she can hear you. <laughs> People are screaming, screaming at their phones right now. Oh my God, I can't believe you can't remember this. Yell louder. She still can't hear you. So Phil and Nance kidnapped 11-year-old J.C. Duggar from outside her home in South Lake Tahoe, California, while she was walking to the bus stop. J.C.'s mom, Terry, worked as a typesetter at a print house and left for work early that day. J.C. was wearing her favorite all-pink outfit walking up the hill from her house. I'm sorry. I just want to say something to J.C. I love that. I love that she had her favorite outfit on. May we all wear our favorite outfits every day. I love that. Continue. So, um, she was walking against the traffic to catch the school bus. While she was halfway up the hill, a car approached her, and J.C. thought the man was just going to ask for directions. But when he rolled down the window, he shocked her unconscious with a stun gun and abducted her. If y'all are like me and thinking, why would a woman be a part of this? Well, the DA in the case believed that Nancy was the one who actually scouted out J.C. as a prize for Philip and held J.C. down in the car as she drifted in and out of unconsciousness during the three-hour drive from her home to their home. Okay. Are you going to get into this? Probably will, but I'm going to ask a question. Is this one of those situations where Nancy isn't altogether okay either? I don't and, know. Okay. I wasn't sure because, you know, for a woman to do this, there's, it takes a certain kind of person I'm not saying that women can't. Many times they're even more cruel. But uh, I mean, just saying like seeing a helpless child and then being willing to participate in essentially doing what they're about to do to this poor young girl together means that she's also not right in the head or she's got another a lot of other things going on. And or was it also grooming on his end? Like I have all these, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. All of these things. There's have to a be. book. You could probably read the book. I didn't read the book. What? You didn't read the book? <laughs> JC wrote a book. Ugh. I did not read it. Oh, wait, wait, no. The, the little girl wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm not, no, uh, uh. Awesome. Okay, I'm glad you wrote a book because, JC, I'm so sorry this happened to you, first off. And then also, I'm just so curious about the mentality of a person who would go along with such a fucking horrendous human being. Oh, it's going to get worse. Oh, okay. Remember my warning at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Now, if you stuck with us because you thought you could make it, and if you're on the fence, now's the time to bounce. Yeah, okay. Now's the time to be all in or all out. So the only time JC spoke was when she ple- pleaded that her parents couldn't afford a ransom. So the answer is that Nancy is a big cunt as Philip is. It's like sick and demented people are drawn together like moths to a flame. Like, I don't understand. Like, how how could they find each other? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. sick and demented soulmates. And that's actually kind of my question is like, how in the hell? I think they see it in each other. You know what I mean? That's that's probably true because, you know, like sociopaths and narcissists. She found him in prison. Identify, yeah, victims. Yeah. Yeah. She found him in prison. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So Carl, JC's stepdad, saw his stepdaughter being taken. He saw a mid-sized gray car, possibly a Mercury Monarch, 
with two people in it, bust a bitch at the school bus stop. Which means make a Yui. Mm-hmm. Where JC was waiting and a woman throwing JC into the car. Carl chased them on a bike but was unable to catch them. So one of my things is, like, I don't understand, like, why it was a bike and not a car. My guess is, like, it was the first thing. It was the first thing he saw. Yeah. He was like, fuck this shit. Nope. You know, and then he was just like, oh, my God, like, in, in like, I got to figure this. I got to solve the situation mode. Yeah, that's the only thing. So some of JC's classmates even witnessed the abduction. Oh, my God. So we have, like, this is unheard of, first off. Like, because back whenever I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, it was stranger danger. Don't trust a stranger. If someone If someone's parking in front of your house asking, hey, have you seen my cat? No, you have not. No, an adult man should not be asking where your fucking cat is. Run away. Get away. But you didn't really take it seriously. Because these things didn't happen. True. You always heard about it. Although... There were kids on milk cartons back then, There were kids on milk cartons all the time, and it was like, you never talk to strangers, you never take candy from anybody that you don't know. Um, It was a, it was very, it was actually a really fearful time to grow up, now that I think about it. Actually, not for me, because we didn't talk about these things in my house. Oh, you didn't? Oh, my God. I played outside, I played Spotlight in the dark till God knows what time. See... We did too, but it was just so fucking stupid. Like they let they literally would would tell us one thing. We would hide outside, hide in the dark from our friends, and one person with a flashlight was in charge of finding us. Exactly. Or yeah, and then you know what? We get tired of playing, and then like we'd all meet up, and then like an hour later, we'd be like, "Oh, where's Bobby Joe?" And then you're like, "Oh fuck, what happened to him?" And then you're like, "We better go find him." And then you couldn't find him, and you're like, "Meh." Maybe they went home. Yeah, we're like, I guess he just went home. Yeah, exactly. There was he no, like... Been, he could have been taken. And right. We, yeah. See, but, but the fact that even one person saw this happen, let alone, like, what multiple people saw this happen is incredible. So, I'm going to ask the obvious question. They went to the cops, right? All of these people, including our stepdad, like, by the way, we saw my stepdaughter get fucking abducted. Can you help? Yes. So, Good. Carl and Ken Slayton... Ken Slayton was J.C.'s biological father, but he didn't even know he fathered a child. They were initially the suspects. That's 1991 police work in his finest. We're going to have this dude who didn't even know he had a child be a suspect. Wait. He must have taken her. <laughs> so He so must have questions. done it. For any number of reasons, her mom obviously didn't want him to know, which is her choice. Well, here's the thing. Um, I did do the the research. Oh, okay, yeah. The relationship was very short. It was a very short relationship. Oh, okay. So it was kind of like... Fuck it. You know what? I'll raise her on my own. It's not... There's no need. Okay, got it. But yeah, no, why would you... The guy doesn't even know he has a kid, (laughs) so he's going to murder them? Like, what are you talking about? So Carl took and passed several poly polygraph test clearing him from the suspect list and they cleared ken because i mean he didn't even know jc existed so why would he go after her right and obviously like there's so many people saw this happen they clear they could say quick no it wasn't carl and this dude you know right yeah so by the time they got back to their home they had taken ready this is your last chance everyone if you can't handle what i'm about to say by they got by the time they got back to their home in what's the name of that city? Antioch. 
They had taken all of JC's clothes. The only thing they overlooked was a butterfly ring that she had hidden from them. That she hid from them for the next 18 years. Because that's how long Phil and Nancy held JC captive for. In their own backyard. Shut the fuck up. In their backyard? Were they not backed up to any neighbors? No neighbors saw this? Nobody. If, if you saw the pictures, you would understand. Okay. Is it like an, kind of more of an enclosed? They had... Backyard? I'll show you the pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't believe you... No, I haven't. I'm like learning something new here. Sorry, guys. When did this happen? 70 what? So she was abducted in 91. Okay. And I would have been... Five. Six. Maybe. Yeah, four, four or five. Okay, that explains. Yeah. But still, like, I knew about, like, you know, the milk, milk carton kid from New York. What's his name? Not Johnny. I'm thinking of um, the America's Most Wanted guy's son, unfortunately. But there were a lot of kids I know. I that... I know what you're talking about, so... Yeah, anyway, continue. Anyhow, um, Philip placed a blanket over her head and took her into his backyard that had ch- sheds and storage units... He put her in a tiny soundproof shed, raped her for the first time, and left her there naked and bolted it closed. Philip then took her, um, and then he told her there were Doberman pinchers outside, and they were trained to attack if she tried to escape. He would visit her and bring her food and milkshakes, and he would talk to her. Immediately after um, JC was kidnapped, he forced her to shower with him. Ugh. The first time he raped her, she was still wearing the handcuffs, and she would continue to wear them for the first week. During that first week, the only human contact JC would have would be with Philip when he would bring her fast food and tell her stories. He gave her a bucket to do her business in. Um, Philip would eventually give her a TV, but she was not allowed to watch the news, so she had no idea how big of a search there was for her. And after about a month and a half, Philip moved her into a larger space where he handcuffed her to a bed. And if you aren't fully enraged by this point, Philip told her that, and I quote, demon angels let him take her and that she would help him with his sexual problems because society had ignored him. Huh. Okay. So you want someone to co-sign on your bullshit, like your your woman Nancy there. Okay. Well, yeah. dude, that's not how life works. Yeah. And you're a piece of trash. So Phil would then go on meth binges he called oh, runs, in which he would dress JC up and spend time with her, cutting out figures from prom from porn magazines. I almost said prom magazines. From porn magazines, he would make her listen for voices only he could hear in the walls. He would also tell her often he was the chosen servant of God. The runs would end up with him crying and apologizing to her. At the same time, he was threatening to sell her to other people who would put her in a cage. Okay, because that's better than what she's in right now, dude. Yeah, (laughs) because she basically is in a cage. Yeah. So after seven months, he introduced J.C. to Nancy, 
who brought her a stuffed animal, chocolate milk, and apologized. I'm sorry, Nancy. You're a piece of shit. You could easily say, yeah, you're let go, and I'm going to turn myself and this motherfucker in. But no, you're totally okay with this situation going on. Mm-hmm. So Nancy would swap between treating her motherly and cruel. Like, she would just, I guess, however, whichever way the wind blew that day. So, a little fun fact about our friend Nance. She worked at a, as a nursing home aide. I swear to God, if my kids ever fucking put me in a nursing home, I'll fucking wheel out of there and I will hunt them down. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, just, just golden girls me. You know, it's okay if like myself and you and whoever else wants to like go crazy on our own time in Florida or actually, excuse me, Canada. But, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I ain't going to have no nurses. They'd be like, yeah. Uh-uh. So then my um, common law husband, we keep our daughter in the shed because, yeah. you know, he's the chosen one. And we're helping cure his mm-mm. sexual insecurity. Those nurses aides, those are, mm-mm. no, mm-mm. that's happening. So Philip did have to return to prison for a parole violation when he failed a drug test. So good old Nance became JC's jailer. So Nancy's MO with JC was just one of manipulation. And on two separate occasions, um, Nancy and Philip gave JC a kitten and then they the kitten would just mysteriously vanish. I don't want to know what they did to that cat. I I don't either. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. Please don't. So when Phil and Nance discovered she was signing her real name in a journal she kept on the kittens, because she would like keep journals, like what else was she going to do? Yeah, seriously. They forced her to tear out the pages. And the last time she was allowed to, and it was the last time she was allowed to say her like actual name for years. So they wouldn't even let her say her own name? Yes. I'm sorry, real quick. How old was JC when she was originally kidnapped? 11. Oh my God. So this is the hard part is, and I can see why she's conform conforming to all of this is because you're a kid. They're adults. You do what adults tell you to do. And especially back then, it was ground into your brain that authority figures were to be listened to and you do exactly what they say, no matter who the fuck they are or what the fuck they tell you to do. And the problem with that is this, because they never taught us consent on the back end as well. Right. Never. Mm-mm. So there were times that JC was allowed to be free without her handcuffs, but the doors were always bolted closed, whether she had the handcuffs or not. So honestly, I don't even understand why they handcuffed her because she was locked away. Yeah. So what is she going to do? I guess they were afraid she was going to attack them. I don't even know. Mm. So Easter Sunday, 1994, this is three years into her captivity. It was the first time they gave her cooked food. And they also told her they believed she was pregnant. She She was was 14. She was 13 at the time. And it turns out she was four and a half months pregnant. Oh, my God. She learned about the connection between sex and pregnancy from TV. Oh my God. Just the trauma. She had to watch programs on childbirth to prepare to give birth to a daughter. I, I can't. This. Um. August 18th, 1994, JC gave birth to her first daughter. 
She gave birth to her second daughter November 13, 1997, when she was 17. Philip and Nancy raised the girls to call them mom and dad and to believe that GC was their older sister. I'm sorry. Why, if they are your children, would you lock them up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to raise them as your own, why? It's so disturbing. And this obviously is reminding me of a movie because that's who I am. But the movie Room, this is the exact plot for the movie Room, except she had a son. But, um, like, like, you know it's real, like the Ariel Castro bullshit and all that stuff. But you, you also, like, don't want to really know it's real because now I'm like, how many other people are out there right now? You know what I'm saying? Like in a, in a fucking basement or a hell and even in a backyard, just, Oh my God. And how many parole officers came to that house during the 18 years and did not know they were there? Well, exactly. And they're, I mean, but, but also, but no fault of their own. I mean, how are they supposed to be like, Hey, let me just check your sheds real quick. You know, like, yeah. How are they supposed to know? Pearl officers start checking sheds. For real? <laughs> Just fuck it. Fuck it. Screw it. Let's <laughs> check everything. Oh, God. So August 24th, I mean, obviously, there is more, there is a whole lot more to this story because it goes on for 18 years. So, I mean, don't at me for leaving a lot of shit out, everyone. God, this is why I don't do these stories. Yeah, because also we cannot kind of infer what else may or may not have happened. And <laughs> if you want more details, there's information out there, but we're going to... Move on. Pass it. So August 24th, 2009, Philip took JC's daughters with him on a little fun adventure. Um, First, they went to the San Francisco FBI office to deliver a four-page essay describing his ideas about religion and sexuality. This bitch had the balls, the balls, to go to an FBI office to lay down his manifesto with his two children from the rape of a teenager? Mm Mm-hmm. He and let me tell you about wow what was in this essay. He implied that he had found a solution to his past problem behaviors, you know, like his past crimes. Oh yeah, okay. Um, but definitely not his current crime because he hasn't been committing crimes for years. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Naturally. this this essay described how he cured his criminal sexual behaviors. Mm, how was that? How 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 do we do that? And how that information could be used to help curing other sexual predators by, and I'm quoting, I'm quoting him, I'm quoting, controlling human impulses that drive humans to commit dysfunctional acts. Now, I he didn't say, I think he's just saying, hey, I got this information, come hit me up, bro. So he's not saying exactly what it is, he's just saying, hey, by the way, I figured out how to cure pedophilia like what I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So then he took the girls to the UC Berkeley campus where he was meeting with a special events manager about holding an event for God's desire. He's, he's going on a fucking road show now? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So here are the true heroes of this whole story. One is Lisa Campbell. She's the special events manager at UC Berkeley. The other is Allie Jacobs. She's, she is a UC Berkeley police officer. I'm sorry. I noticed they're both women. <laughs> I don't mean to be that guy, but... I love that they were... <laughs> I mean, they were kind of like, something's off here. Women took Philip down. Yeah. So Lisa thought Philip was acting erratically and that the girls were sullen and submissive. 
Of course they were stolen in some mishap. And you notice how, like, whenever he goes to the FBI office, they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Nobody's noticing. No one's paying attention. And then all of a sudden, like, two women get involved. They're like, something's up here. I like to believe. pay attention. I like to believe he probably just dropped an envelope off at the front desk. Because you know the FBI office is going to have a reception at, like, the gatekeeper. Oh, yeah. And so he probably just laid it on the counter. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like a manifesto. Like, here you go, guys. Just so you know. (laughs) Hey, I just want to drop this off. Give it to your behavioral forensic psychologist, please. So what he's sounding like, and this is purely from my super clinical view, because, you know, I'm a doctorate in psychology, a criminal psychology. you're getting your forensic psychology degree? Yes, yes, that I got yesterday. Cool. Um, Is, it sounds like he has schizophrenia or the beginnings of schizophrenia and or he's so hopped up on meth that he really is thinking because you saying like he's talking or saying that he saw things in the room well no when he was high on meth he heard voices in the wall oh okay okay so what that was meth yeah that was meth when he was on his his meth binges he called runs so when he was on his quote-unquote runs is when he heard things in the walls while he was making jc cut out things from porn mags ah okay so in this case yes drugs did play a very massive part in what's happening here yes okay so um lisa okay you know lisa being uc berkeley very intelligent woman is going something's off yeah she thought he was acting erratic she thought there was something up with the children so she said you know what i'm gonna need your return tomorrow can we schedule an appointment for tomorrow because he just showed up right she wants to have more time she goes in order to schedule this event we need to have an appointment to plan it properly of course so they made an appointment for the next day so you know what she did she went to Allie. And she'd Allie conduct a background check on Philip. Oh, I love you, Lisa. So Allie found out that he was on federal parole for kidnapping and rape and was a registered registered sex offender. Hmm. And so they were like, hmm, why does he have children with him if he's a registered sex offender? Something's not right. So the next day when Philip returned with with the girls again for their meeting with Lisa. Ellie sat in and noticed, and she noticed that the girls seemed pale. So pale, it seemed that they had never been exposed to the sun, and that their behavior was unusual. So Allie was like, do 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 parole office. Yeah, or like, in, in that case, I'm doing a rotary phone sound. Like, one at a time, you know? So, she called the parole office and left a report of the meeting on their voicemail. I mean, personally, I would just be like, I need you to call me back ASAP. This is my number. Um, 333 Something's fucked up. 4541. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate but you. She she left a voicemail letting them know what happened in the meeting. So after the parole officers listened to this message, they sent two parole agents to Phillips' home. They handcuffed him and searched the house, but they only found Philip, Nancy, and Philip's elderly mother, who is still kicking it, by the way. I'm sorry. What? Okay, so this whole time, his mom is in the fucking house, too? Remember, she has dementia. Jesus First of all, Christ when all. I found out Mama Philip was still alive, I was like, I'm sorry. What? Seriously, I'm blown away, too. Like... So what happened was 
they are taking advantage of this poor old lady's home. Yes. And that's it. Yes. Damn. So on the trip to the parole office, Philip volunteered that the girls who were with him were, and I'm quoting, were daughters of a relative, and he had permission from their parents to take them with him. It doesn't matter. You're a sex offender. So the month before the parole office, the month before this all happened, the parole office had banned Philip from being around minors. Also, Philip was not allowed to travel more than 25 miles from his home without permission from his parole officer. Well, little fun fact about Berkeley. It's 40 miles from Phil and Nance's house. So that's 15 miles past the OK line without permission. But you know what? The parole officers overlooked this little oopsies you went too far from home violation Drove him home and ordered to come back to the parole office the next day and have a little chat about his Berkeley visit. Uh, oh, and the little girls he was with. The, wait, the, everyone just gets a kind of like a little slappy slappy on the hand do over? And we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow. Um, anybody who has been or is on parole right now, is that is that the case anymore? I, I mean, don't think it is. Honestly, I'm thinking like Why didn't he run? Like because he's not in his right mind. He's messed out of his mind. That's what's going on here. So the next day, August 26, 2009, Philip returned back to the pro office for his meeting. <laughs> you think that's stupid. That's very dumb. Ready? It gets dumber. Because this dumb fuck showed up with Nancy. Oh. JC and JC's two daughters. He showed up with the missing child, missing girl. Uh-huh. And I'm about to be really, really mad, right? I'm about to be really upset because we're only how many years in of 18? 18. This is 18 years. Yes. Okay, because I was like, do not tell me that these this motherfucker literally drove with the person and they were just like, eh. So Philip swore up and down that Alyssa, his name for JC, and her daughters were relatives. The officers, thank you, Jesus, separated the women and children from Philip to try and identify them. JC went along with this being Alyssa and told the investigator the girls were hers and that she did not know that Philip was a sex offender and that, but he was, oh, that she did know he was a sex offender, but he was a changed person and he was great. He was a great person. He was good with her kids. The girls parroted the same comments. Okay. Um, when JC was pressed about um, who she was, she became, and I quote, extremely defensive and agitated and demanding to know why she was being interrogated. She then said she was a battered wife from Minnesota hiding out from her abusive husband. This is, I'm sorry, JC? Mm-hmm. And JC, okay, so 18, 20, so that would be maths. 20, okay, so 18 years, 28 29. She's almost 30 years old mm-hmm. and she's been conditioned for entire her basically mm-hmm. her whole adolescence and almost the beginning of her adult life mm-hmm. that this person is this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the parole officer eventually called in the local Concord police and once they began interrogating good old Phil He folded like a cheap suit under the pressure of the interrogation, admitting to kidnapping and raping J.C. And at this point, that's when she revealed her true identity. 
Can and, you imagine being her mom? No. Like, I can't. Like, all of a sudden your daughter is alive 18 years later, which is great. You're like, holy shit, she's alive, right? You're like, I can't yes. imagine the emotion. I don't even want. Oh, I my can't. God. Two days later, Phil and Nancy were formally charged with 29 felony counts, including rape and false imprisonment. Good. Philip became a suspect in several other California kidnapping cases, including the 1988 abduction of nine-year-old Michaela Gerch, but he was not charged with any other crimes. Philip pled guilty to one count of kidnapping and 13 counts of sexual assault. He was sentenced to 431 years to life in prison in June of 2011. The same day, Nancy was sentenced to 36 years to life. They've both waived their rights to appeal. As they should, because their lawyers were like, yeah, you're not going to win this one, bud. In 2009, Philip's dad, Manuel Giardo, who lived in Brentwood, talked about his son in an interview. He said Philip was, and I quote, a good boy as a child, but he drastically changed after a serious motorcycle accident as a teenager. Then, when Philip turned to LSD and meth, he changed. Mm. Holy shit. And th- so what? They're still rotting in prison to this day? Mm-hmm. And what... Um, so, what is the name of the, of the girls of JC's book? Do you know off the top of your head? Not off the top okay. of my head, no. Because I feel like that would be a phenomenal book to, to read and understand if you're if you're in that mindset. I mean, because I'm sure it's full of a lot of trauma, depending on how much she wants to put in there, of course. But she'd be, what, 42 now? Because if she was born in 80? It's called A Stolen Life, a memoir. Okay. A Stolen Life. God, I can't believe I've never heard of her. I can't believe I it either. I was so proud of myself. She's, I was like, she's going to die. No. Okay. So everybody, yeah, take a look. I'm going to put that on my list um, to that book because my God, I can't even imagine the story she must have. And especially this many years out to be able to kind of like have that perspective and God, the therapy alone that she must have had to go through. She's 42 now. She is 42. Okay. Damn. I'm, I'm really glad she survived. But also, like, I'm really upset that she had to go through all that shit. Oh, she has a second book called Freedom, My Book of First. Ooh. That might be a good oh, book. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I didn't think about that. Her book of first, like, all of the things that, a, like, a, a, an adolescent life should go through. Oh, my God. Her kids, because those are her children, I'm assuming went into foster care, um, at the time because I mean you know I don't leave them with those people and well I'm sure she kept them because she was 20 she was almost 30 why would her kids go in foster care well I'm just saying because like was she able to take care of them you know because she was essentially stunted I mean like she was like her life was interrupted I'm sure she kept her kids okay I hope so I don't know that for a fact but I would be shocked if she did not right I mean at least like I'm sure she moved back in with her her family and their kids went with her. Okay, yeah. I would be shocked if that didn't happen. Yeah. Damn. Oh, look. People also asked. Retained custody of her kids and reunited with her mother August 27, 2009. Okay, she did. Okay, good. 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 Damn. JC, if you're listening, which that would be fucking amazing. We'd love to hear your story told by you. 
But this is incredible. She's like, like, bitch, just read my book. Yeah, she's like, girl, I'd have told you twice. She's like, buy my book, bitch. (laughs) Put money in my pocket. Seriously, help support my my life now that I'm away from these crazy people. I mean, Um, seriously, support her, buy her book. Seriously, yeah. But that's incredible. What a horrendous story. But also, like, what a true survival story of just the human spirit. Because, ugh. Can you imagine going through that and just... No, not that young at all. Hey, you there. Do you like podcasts? Are you tired of the bullshit? Well, this is not the podcast for you. Actually, it is. And we are... The The Lords of Swine. We discuss nerd culture. And we drop every Tuesday... On any platform. We're literally everywhere. I need you to bring me up. Bring me up. What you got? I have somebody who is... um. A trophy dad, but also a man crush of mine. So you guys. JT, is it JT? It's it's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> You've already done Ryan Gosling. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. I did Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Oh. Yeah, there's a different. The Ryans. There's two Ryans. Are Silly. Sh- it's like the Chris's from Marvel. Hello. <laughs> and no, I didn't do Ryan Gosling. I did Rachel McAdams. So. I mean, yeah. I can't keep it all straight. <laughs> It's like the broken incident. I know. I'm sorry. I literally had tuned out the first like seven minutes. I mean, fuck you. I'm not listening to this bullshit. I love, I, I still, I just can't with that one. So anyway, Ryan Thomas Gosling, my hall pass, was born in London, Ontario, Canada on November 12, 1980. 80. I read Scorpio at the same time I read 1980. So that's what came out. Um, yeah, he's a Scorpio. Um... He was uh, born to Thomas, an outside salesman, and Donna, an administrative assistant. He has one older sister, Mandy, and the whole crew grew up very religious. That religion being Mormon. Can you believe it? I didn't even know. I had no clue. Why? Why does religion always come up? Because I don't know. You know, I have this thing about religion, and I know. it's just. I know. It's, what's weird, though, is I never knew Ryan Gosling was religious of any kind, but let alone grew up Mormon of all the religions. My struggle is real. Yes. <laughs> so get this. And also a Mormon in Canada. There's Mormons in Canada. You know what? I it's know. right across the border from Utah. I can see it. I can see it. I could. But uh, wait, did you just say it's across the border from Utah? In Utah up north? No. Utah's north. Google. Honey, <laughs> I love you, but no, it is not anywhere near north. Utah is, it's like middle. It's not south, it's not north, it's middle. You know what? I love you. This I, is said with love. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I can't see that. That's too small. <laughs> so I had to do some research myself because I was also like, wait, there's Mormons in Canada. Not like I didn't think there weren't. But, like, there actually is quite a big Mormon settlement in Canada. There were almost 200,000 Mormons in Canada as of 2021. And he said that his life was greatly influenced, or his childhood was, by Mormonism, which obviously... Look. Yeah. That ain't south. That's... that's If it is further from here, that's north. You have south, you but have it's north. Not, it's nowhere near the Canada border. It's... Look. This line right here... Are you going to die on this hill? Because I will stop arguing right now. From here down is the south. From uh-huh. here up is the north. Uh-huh. 
from here up is the north and everything north is like next to Canada. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you die on that hill. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is if you're not Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, mm. Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, or Florida, you're north and next to Canada. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? <laughs> Geography <laughs> class brought to you by Amanda. <laughs> That's my southern geography lesson for you. So you can tell our schools need funding. Um, no. I just am the South. <laughs> you speak for the South. <laughs> so all Southerners will agree with me. Except you. Yeah, no, Utah's not North. It's like middle. It's like Colorado's in the middle, Kansas in the middle. There's there is no middle. There's there south. Middle. No, there's south. What the fuck is the Midwest then? There's south and there's everyone else. <laughs> okay, that I do agree with. That that is there's a very south, true statement. There's south. There's everyone else and there's Canada. All right, help us weigh in on this argument because everyone else is next to Canada. Yeah, but but like Kansas is nowhere near Canada. Like it's nowhere near. There's the South, there's everyone else, Canada. South, everyone else, Canada. Okay, I will let you have this. Um, So he grew up in a Mormon family in Canada. And so, you know, it did actually greatly influence his childhood. He said, quote, we were brought up pretty religious. My mother admits that she says you were raised by a religious zealot. She's different now, but at the time it was part of everything, what they ate, how they thought. So he actually was brought up fundy. No, he is not fundy anymore. I mean, if you couldn't tell, if you've kept track of anything in his career and his life, you'll know he is not Mormon now. Um, Because of his father's job, they moved around a lot, and he had very few friends, was lonely, got made fun of, you know, the usual shit. He said, quote, I was a lonely child that didn't do well at school, and TV was my only friend, he once told the New York Daily News. And then he said, one day, I saw Raquel Welsh on The Muppet Show, She was dancing with this big furry spider, and I immediately fell in love. She was the first crush I ever had, and I thought, how do I get to meet this woman? And then he thought, well, she's on TV, so I meet her. To meet her, I have to get on TV myself. So this and 90s action movies like Sylvester Stallone's First Blood really inspired him to try out acting. Quote, when I was in first grade, I watched First Blood and I filled my Fisher Price Houdini kit with steak knives and brought them to school and started throwing them at kids in recess. He obviously got in trouble for this, but it didn't dampen his spirit to pursue acting. <laughs> I just love how that was his first thought. Like, I'm going to be Rambo. <laughs> so, like, was he allowed to watch First Blood in a Mormon house? I know. Uh, uh, like, yeah. I have so many questions. Ryan, call me. My number is... Um, actually, Ryan, my number is... Um, <clears throat> Unlike her, I'm not going to sexually harass you. I'm not going to harass him. I'm not going to try to um, jump your gonna, bones. It's it's totally fine. We'll be friends first, and we'll see how things go. We're just going to play it by ear. I don't have that caveat in my questions. I just have Mormon questions. <laughs> so he was in a Mormon talent show when he was young. And started ballet classes and sang at his sister with his sister at weddings, wanting to perform as much as possible and be an actor. And yes, these are all on YouTube and they are so adorable. I have a ballet connection. We have that in common. Yep. Exactly. 
In 93, when he was 12, there was an open audition for the Mickey Mouse Club in Montreal. They were reviving the show and needed a new set of kids. Now, was it Mickey Mouse Club that we see in America or Mickey Mouse Club in Montreal? No, this was, um, they were hosting open auditions in Montreal for the Mickey Mouse Club Oh, in that's right. He was on the same one Britney Spears was, Correct. Huh? And Justin Timberlake. Yep. All three of them We're were bringing on, it back around with JT. Bringing it back around. Getting exactly. to the end. Full uh-huh. circle, people. That's what we do here. We watched a video about how to do this. <laughs> he eventually moved to Orlando, Florida. That's where the show was, was shot. Now, did he have to have a work visa for that? So, yeah. Um, from what I understand, yes. And in fact get this um justin timberlake's mom had to become his legal guardian at one point during the show because ryan's mom had to go back to canada for work so she so what what how i understand it is the parent at least how it was at the time had to have the visa to sponsor the kid Mm. and so justin timberlake's mom became ryan gosling's like legal guardian this is so they're like brothers kind of yeah like he do they still talk every once in a while yeah they do he said that they kind of keep up with each other's lives but not like call each other all the time ryan jt call me i need to know what your relationship is like i know it's kind of crazy right and what's even more funny is like and again this is on a you'll find this everywhere but he played spin the bottle with britney spears and then he stole a golf cart with justin like, like, you know, normal kid shit. Like, he's like 12, you know? So, golf, golf carts are fun. Oh, God, they're so fun. His parents divorced around this time, unfortunately, when he was around 13. And the show was canceled in 95, so he had to move back to Canada. He got more work in shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Hell yes. Goosebumps. And my favorite, Young Hercules. And I don't know if you grew up like me watching Young Hercules, but my God. See, now she's talking about things I know nothing about because I'm 10 years older than her. I definitely knew I was a cisgendered woman after that show. That and Bowie from Labyrinth. That's how I was like, oh, I like guys. Okay, cool. To quote him in 1999 from a teen magazine, because you know, teen <gasps> Tiger Beat. Beat. I think it was Tiger Beat, actually. Quote. I had those two. I know. Hercules is part God and I'm not. He's a hero and I'm not. Yet we both have the same insecurities. We're not that great with girls. When I first heard about the audition, I told my friends and they said, no offense, but look at you. When you look at me, you don't think God. Disagree. Even back then, honey. My Tiger Beats had the new kids on the block. Dude. Okay, who was your favorite? I don't fucking remember. Was it Dwani? Were you a Dwani fan? No. mm Mm-mm. For sure, no. What, because he had a mustache or whatever the fuck? He was 35 and I was 12. <laughs> Why was there always like an older one? Like Kevin was the old guy on the on the Backstreet Boys. You know what I mean? Where you're like, no, this guy's like the, I know nothing this, about them. Like the fucking chaperone or something. Anyway, he then got a supporting role in Remember the Titans in early 2000. Love, love that movie. And then The Believer, which is a role that he was looking to play about a very intense uh, skinhead. And so this was his huge shift, right? He wanted to get into serious acting. Disney Channel, as you know, gives you the chance to like launch your career, but it's going to put you into acting roles more like Remember the Titans, which is fine if that's what you want to do. It put it pigeonholes you into like being a kid forever. Yes, yes exactly. Exactly. So he was like, I want to break out of this, and he did in a hardcore way by playing a skinhead, um, it, it actually got him quite a bit of attention because he did a phenomenal job. 
Shortly after this, he starred with Rachel McAdams, um, another star mom, by the way, go listen to that episode, in The Notebook in 2004. And then this, obviously, is where his career took off and all the other women who started to notice him after he gained all that muscle. And Anyway, he received an Oscar nod for his role in Half Nelson around this time. Um, the movie was great. In, it was around 2006. It was about a drug-addicted teacher who was trying to help his like junior high students, but he himself was struggling with drug addiction. It, it, it's a really good movie. I really recommend watching it. And then in 2010, he started the movie All Good Things. Have you seen this, Kirsten Dunst? Why do you have to set me up like this? You okay. know I haven't. I know, so I'm going to describe it. This movie is about Robert Durst. And you do know who that is, right? Mm-hmm. Robert Durst, the famous rich kid serial killer who got away with his crimes for years until recently being caught and dying in prison. Fuck that guy. But it was a really chilling movie. It was just creepy as fuck. I don't know how to describe it. If you've seen it, you know. He got a, a Golden Globe nod for Crazy Stupid Love in the comedy category in 2011, and then kept expanding his act, uh, acting talents into more indie and serious roles like Drive, Place Beyond the Pines, and that movie is where he met his now wife, Eva Mendez. They have two daughters together, and they got married um, in secret in 2016. One of the reasons why he is a trophy dad for me is because of how private he is with his family and his family life. Um, they never do like the publicity photos of like, check out our new baby or, you know, hey, check us out over here going to get groceries or, you know, going to this, st- all of these things. It, it's a really rare thing to see, you know, their children on social media and that's on purpose. So I really appreciate the fact that he's trying, he's taken a Dolly approach, Dolly Parton approach to life and celebrity life. Yeah, because you've never seen Dolly's husband. Nope. Until recently. Until very recently, when she was like, yes, I do have a husband. And that's all you need to know. And then she was like, yeah, this is what he sometimes looks like. Like, I've seen a profile view and then, like, the back of his head. And then, like, a, a, a photo of him from 70-whatever. <laughs> you know? And I, She's so. like, this is my husband from 45 years yeah. ago. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy. Find him now. Exactly. He's like a Where's Waldo <laughs> in real life. Ooh. <gasps> I like this idea. But a Dolly Parton version with her husband. Yeah. Hmm. He recently told British GQ in 2022 that, quote, my kids are growing up so fast. I need to keep an eye on the clock in a way I never used to. And he said living in a house with nothing but girls is, quote, it's heaven. It's like walking through a field of flowers every day. I live with angels. Oh, it's because they're little, still small, huh? They're not 12 yet. Yeah, no, they're not like raging, hormonal. Let's check back in. Like that. Let's check back in with him when everyone's on their period. Yeah. <laughs> We're very pleasant. He also is extremely big into charity work. Now, this part I knew a little bit about, but I didn't know how much. Um, he started small, you know, like helping PETA to improve the methods of meat production for chicken factories. He started helping with Hurricane Katrina, things like that. He also supports Invisible Children, which, um, if you don't know, uh, according to their website, is a they partner with local peace builders across Central Africa to end violent conflict, and especially for areas where they have like child soldiers and just you know they sell little girls into marriage at twelve, which, as you just heard, is fucking disgusting. So the one thing he's really big into, which I really loved, was it's called the Enough Project. 
This is an organization that counters genocide and crimes against humanity, according to their website. He not only supports them, he has worked with them for years and he's even traveled to Africa multiple times. According to the founder, founding director of the charity, quote, Ryan traveled to Africa twice with the Enough Project, which followed an earlier trip to the Darfurian refugee camps in Chad. During his first trip with us, he went to northern Uganda, the main region devastated by the war with Joseph Kony's Lord Resistance Army. This was the first before Kony 2012 video, when nearly two million Ugandans had been made homeless by the conflict. Ryan visited camps for the displaced and heard the stories of children who were forced to become child soldiers for Kony. Upon his return, we visited the U.S. Congress and the United Nations to advocate for more attention to addressing the needs of survivors of this conflict, as well as policies that would end it. So, he not only, like, donated money, which is great, he actually went to Africa, saw it with his eyes, then went to Congress, and was like, yeah, this needs to stop. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa, like, no idea he did any of that. Because I get suspicious of people that are just like throw money at problems because I'm like, you're just doing it for the tax benefits because yep. you need to lower your income. Yeah. And also, like, I love the fact that I didn't know that he did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he is absolutely not doing it for publicity or that kind of attention. Right, right, And right. But the fact that he does promote it says, like, I am also using my platform in a way to show that we need to end this crisis. Right. Which I appreciate. So if you weren't already a fan of him, like ours, he's smart, funny, sweet, a great dad, empathetic, and let's be real, he's cute as shit. One last thing I'm going to leave you with is this. He's about to star in a movie with my girl Margot Robbie that I'm very excited about. Barbie. A Barbie movie? Yes. About, like, the doll. Barbie. Margot Robbie's going to be Barbie, and he's going to be Ken. I am beyond excited. What? You didn't like Barbie as a kid? I loved Barbie as a kid. But now I see that she promotes unrealistic um, body imaging for children. Who, Margot Robbie? No, Barbie. Oh, well, yeah, but also, like, this sounds weird. Maybe it's just me, but I never thought of Barbie as real. So I was like, of course nobody's body looks like this. Well, this is yes, not real. because <laughs> when we were kid, there weren't the Barbie movies and the Barbie cartoons. I had a Barbie workout video that I worked out to all the time as a child, as like a nine-year-old. Holy shit, maybe they do promote body insecurity. See, when <laughs> I, I just was, realized that. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was just the doll. But now it's the movies and everything else. I mean, we had this, okay. Me and my friends, we had this one dress. It was like a homemade Barbie dress. And it was this beautiful green ball gown, right? And we always wanted this dress for our Barbies. But whoever made this dress didn't make it big enough for her boobs. So it never actually fit the Barbie doll because her fucking boobs were too big. Yeah. They, and and yeah. it could... No wonder I've always been like, oh, I need bigger boobs. My boobs are too small. Ah. Not a bad point of view now that, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I will say I'm really excited about it simply because like I want that sugar, bubble gum, take us out of this reality kind of movie. And I feel like that movie will do it. And especially if Ryan's attached gonna, to it. Is it going to be that type of movie though? Yeah, I think so. Because Greta Gerwig is going to um, be directing it, which she's um, a newer person that to, to my world. 
in the movie world, but also she's younger. She's like in her twenties ish ish ish. Well, you you watch it and you let me know. I will because I'm surely not. I gonna. want that like super just take me out of our reality moment and also. Ryan Gosling is Ken. Honey, have you seen his abs from Crazy Stupid Love? God, why Sold. Is, why do you gotta set me up like this? Again? <laughs> anyway, he's my trophy dad for being an incredible father and an incredible spokesperson for people who cannot speak for themselves. I love his career. I feel like his work is, he's an extremely good actor and that's why he's my trophy dad. Yay. I'm sorry, I thought it was the other Ryan that you already did. Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, you already fucking did him. There's just so many hot, attractive Canadian Ryans. We just can't help, you know? <laughs> and she's going to tell you about all of them. I will. I absolutely will. <laughs> if your name is Ryan and you're hot and you live in Canada and you have children. Come at me. See you next Tuesday <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. She'll tell us all about you. <laughs> On that note. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.